funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do than with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And oh my God, a familiar voice, Bryant West back on the show. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? Oh, I've been good. I've just been in a deep hibernation since the NBA draft. Totally doing nothing else except getting a cute kid. That's pretty much it. That's pretty notable. Yeah, yeah this it is, is pretty the, notable. This is the time of year to not really do anything, though. I've been slowing down, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm completely joking. Life has uh, not been uh, uh, sleeping away and relaxing. Uh, I thought, boy, you know, I'll just take a quick basketball break. And uh, suddenly it's uh, almost October and uh, the, the season is a month away. And I know I see you oh, on Twitter every day being like, I miss basketball. And I'm like, wait, basketball's almost here again. How did that happen? <laughs> So, yeah, it is around the corner. And, uh, you know, the guy I think that you have talked about the most during your little break is Tyrese Halliburton, probably even before the break. Like Halliburton has, has been your guy for a while. Understandably, <laughs> understandably. I think I could say I'm a Halliburton guy as well. I would think that everybody listening to this podcast is a Halliburton guy for good if reason. There's an, if there's a Kings fan out there who doesn't like Tyrese Halliburton, like, who are you? Yeah. Please call us. I bet I you want to get you some help. Think I don't like Halliburton because I, <laughs> yeah, for certain reasons. But for certain reasons, like me yeah. listening to you and Jackson Frank and you with Deuce and Mo last week, and I mean that that Deuce and Mo one, you know, everything they had to say and everything you had to say was very complimentary about uh, Tyrese Halliburton. And I just sent you a, a grumpy emoji, and I'm like, if you try and include Tyrese Halliburton in one more trade discussion, we're gonna have some problems. So this is kind of the what we want to get into this episode. And it's not about trading Halliburton, but it's about like the ceiling of Halliburton, because I think that's where his conversation is so complicated. Mm-hmm. And I already think that at the end of this, I'm still not going to know what I feel about his ceiling. Like, <laughs> um, but let's just start with like where we were at with him coming out of Iowa State. And something that I want you to speak on a little bit because you have great insight on this um, in Jackson. Frank was the one that pointed it out to me is the growth between year one and year two Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa state uh, freshman year to sophomore year. And, you know, there was obviously a very big jump that we'll get into between Iowa state Tyrese Halliburton and freshman year Tyrese Halliburton. But I think this pattern of, really notable growth year after year is really important. And that starts freshman year to sophomore year at Iowa state. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, he was considered 
like I saw his name floating around his freshman year. I'm not going to sit here and say I watched a ton of Iowa State games, but um, as soon as it became clear that, okay, this dude might be a real NBA player in a couple of years, I did watch a couple of games. But like, if, if you just look at the statistics, it is incredible how much of a jump he made while still being the exact same Tyrese Halliburton we always knew him to be. Like He was efficient his freshman year of college. Uh, he shot 51% from the field. He shot 43% from three. And those aren't on like crazy low minutes. He played 33 minutes a game for Iowa State his freshman year. He just scored 6.8 points a game. Um, so he was very, very low usage. Uh, let me get yeah, down. Taylor Horton that Tucker and Mariel yeah. Shayuk, I think is how you say the last name, yeah. were the two feature guys on that team, right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, his freshman year, he had a usage rate of nine percent which doesn't scream like future uh lottery pick so to go from that to he then the next year he led iowa state in points rebounds assists steals and shots he averaged 15 points on 50 percent from the field and 41.9 percent from deep 6.5 assists per game 2.5 steals like we, we we knew what he became um, his sophomore year, but the jump was incredible because it was just everything in his game was scaled and he did it all while, incre- in, while continuing to be incredibly efficient and a, a damn genius with the pass. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to oversell this because like coming out of Iowa State, I thought he was a very complex player to idealize in the draft range he was projected. Um because, I mean, it's a, it's the same story we've been talking about for a year. I didn't think he was going to be a primary initiator. And when he was expected to go to, um, I remember him, like, getting mocked to Detroit or New York just constantly. And neither of those were places he would have been a lead point guard. So, honestly, like, that was the reason why you and I were so excited when he fell to sack. Because... We both thought he was going to be such a fantastic fit next to De'Aaron Fox. He was the perfect secondary playmaker. Um, Fox existing would let Halley avoid serious individual creation duties because that was the worst part of his Iowa State tape for me was those moments where they needed him to score and he just often couldn't. Um, So, you know, there's the basketball lingo phrase of uh, connecting piece. Uh, a player who brings out efficiency and value in other players without needing incredible usage in their own right. Um, so, you know, post-draft, I compared him to Doug Christie, uh, who played that kind of connecting piece role for the Golden Era Kings. He'll always be remembered for his insanity on defense, but he also was this kind of seamless offensive fit. Um, whichever other guard they had in the lineup, he just made it work on offense. And from day one, I was kind of what Tyrese was in, Sacramento. Um, I think looking back, our mistake pre-draft and the mistake of pretty much everybody uh, who thought he wasn't a a top six pick or something was looking at this 20-year-old kid who looked like a basketball savant, was a genius passer, an incredible shooter in his own right, and just capping his ceiling. So it became pretty clear to me about a month or two into his NBA career that he was definitely going to be more than what I'd thought uh, out of college. 
And before we get into that, is there anything in like his Iowa State uh, career that you want to touch on? No, I mean, I think it's just what you said that like the low ceiling label that he had, I felt was somewhat justified. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's actually an example. And I'm like just doing the draft these last two years, really, of like me wanting to scrap that because, you know, anybody's hypothetical ceiling when you're talking about these players is really going to be ridiculous when they're this young. Right. Um, And specifically, like you said, with Halliburton, with great IQ and everything, but you know, a high ceiling player, when you're talking like high, high ceiling of an Mm -hmm. all-star creates for themselves, right. Or they're an elite defender. And while Halliburton is really disruptive on the defensive end, six, five with that frame, you're not going to, he's not going to be an elite defender, you know, like he's going to have his on ball struggles and hopefully he progresses in that way. And he totally can like, I'm not saying he's not going to be a good defender. He's going to be a good defender, but he's not a guy that's making an all-star team because of his defense. Um, so when you're yeah, talking about like a total ceiling, it was all about that shot creation and the shooting off the dribble, um, creating for himself that just like was not there. Yeah. And, you know, I fell into my own trap in, in that draft where, um, I forget who said it. I think it was PD, uh, who just talked about who stop looking at what players can't do and look at what they can do. Because there's it, it, there's such a trap in in to justify where you put a player on your big board, you have to both talk about what they do good and then sometimes overemphasize the negative. And like you said, the easiest criticism of a player in the world is this guy cannot always create for himself with the basketball in his hand. Um, and in the league that just favors those dudes, it definitely made. Tyrese underrated. Um, but you know, the, the specific criticisms that I definitely had, and I think you agreed with, uh, coming out of Iowa state were, well, he's not going to be a guy who beats anybody in terms of physical tools. And I don't think that will change. He's definitely like got a really good bag of tricks, uh, for a six five dude as smooth as he is, like he is an NBA athlete, but he's not a guy who's going to blow you away. He's not Anthony Edwards. That's a good comparison. Um, but then the two skill c- criticisms we had were he wasn't an individual creator with the ball in his hands, and he wasn't a dynamic pick and roll player. At least if you looked at his stats at Iowa State, um, and I have vivid memories of. Coming into February, that Nets game. I'm always just going to go back to that Nets game. I totally started. Agree. I knew this yeah. was when I put the question. Yeah. That it was going to be the Nets game. Yeah, it, where he just started throwing highlight shot, shots off the dribble, and like that's the oh shit moment to me. Um, he shot 27 percent on pull ups at Iowa State. He shot 42 percent on all pull ups this last year, and 37.5 percent on three point pull ups. Like, that's crazy. We knew he was a catch-and-shoot dude coming out of the draft. Honestly, that probably was the single most number one skill I wanted next to Aaron Fox. Okay, dude has to be a good catch-and-shoot player. We loved Buddy for a reason next to Aaron Fox. And Halliburton did that this year. Like, he shot 38.5% on catch-and-shoot three-point shots. But if you had told me a year ago, hey, Tyrese Halliburton is going to shoot almost the exact same percentage on catch-and-shoot shots and on pull-up shots – he would have absolutely been in my top five. You couldn't have pulled him away from the top five. So like, that's the insane growth to me. Um, And then, you know, I talked about how he was really bad pick and roll numbers at Iowa state. Like 
maybe I was just underrating or overrating his teammates at Iowa State because like he was 70th percentile in terms of pick and roll offense in Sacramento this year, which was nearly 40% of his offense. Um, he shot 47.5% on 4.2 attempts in the pick and roll. So they're the number two, number one and number two criticisms I had of him coming out of college and he's blown them both out of the water. Um, and you know, the third one being his, okay, he's not going to be an Anthony Edwards dude. who just blows you away with his physical tools. Like at the same time, we should have remembered the thing we were yelling at the Kings front office when they passed on Luka Doncic. Why in the world are you ever going to t- look at a guy who's that basketball smart and tell me what he can and can't do, figure out what to do, given a couple years in the NBA? So to me, everything that Halliburton did last year just convinced me I can't pretend that I know what this guy is going to be in a couple of years. Like how many times did you and I just text where the heck was that in his Iowa state tape? Where did that come from? It was yeah. pretty regularly. I, I think I can pull up a couple texts that specifically say blow the ceiling off. <laughs> there, there's <laughs> there's no, no limit for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the aspects that you pointed out, those off the dribble shooting numbers are ridiculous. You know, I still think that this year is like the big decider for me on what his ceiling. And again, I mean, it's making me question how much I want to label the ceiling of a player, but like the realistic ceiling, I guess, is a way to put it. Um, I'm going to have to think of some new wording for that, but it's going to be he's at the top or near the top of opposing game plans now. And I think that like, is he going to struggle if he gets blitzed in the pick and roll? You know, I mean, he's a great passer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're saying, a super smart player that has shown a ridiculous amount of growth. So even if it's something he struggles with at first, like at this point, you almost want to bet on him making improvements needed. Right. But um, yeah. I think the handle is mm-hmm. is something that needs a lot of work and, and the strength as well. And those are two things that I think are like obvious enough that I would expect improvement, even if it's just not next year over the next couple years of his career. Um, but is there still like aspects of his game you look at and they have you concerned? Well, the handles, the number one, um, the, I, I, I probably was a little hyperbolic there, here in saying that there were only two criticisms I had of him coming out of Iowa state. His handle was another one. Um, and I think that it was, like he wasn't a big turnover dude last year, but it still definitely needs to improve as his uh, ball handling opportunities increase. And like, I, I can't look myself in the face and say, I don't believe that Tyrese Halliburton can figure out how to be a very good handler and ball handler in the NBA. I'm just not going to do that. Um, and the other one is just optimizing his body. Um getting as strong as his frame can. Like he's never going to be Andre Iguodala. He's never going to be Isaac Okoro, but there is, he's definitely gotten stronger. He, and, and as he figures out how to, you know, put that into basketball action, uh, it's just going to increase the range on both ends of the court, especially on defense. Um, But when it comes to defense, like, uh, I, I agree with you in the sense that he's never going to be a Doug Christie lockdown uh, defensive player of the year contender. But even in saying that, there were so many plays. I remember the one against Boston where 
um uh oh damn i'm forgetting uh who the boston uh, small forward is that uh, draft twitter loves so much is this grant williams grant williams thank you he's actually uh, grant- a center bryant excuse you he's a center. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i guess when you have that much needed big man you have to go with what you got and he also just um, doesn't have a position is the real thing so. yeah <laughs> um I, there's a, a a clip in my mind of Grant Williams is just running to grab the ball from falling out of bounds, and he just chucks it over his shoulder. And I freeze framed it at before Grant Williams even got that ball. And Tyrese Halliburton knows where he logically is going to throw the ball mm-hmm. and intercepts it perfectly. So. Once again, it's like I'm not going to sit here and say eh, he's not going to become a very good individual defender when a guy is just he, the vision he's got on both ends of the court is just unreal for a 21 year old. Yeah, I mean, I think like borderline elite, like top tier off ball defender. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I think on ball, I'm a little suspicious. Like last year, they had to like hide him. You know, like I can remember a game like Utah Watanabe mm-hmm. is abusing Halliburton. You know, and it's a it's a rookie Halliburton. It's like a rookie. He's expected to put on weight. It's expected for that to happen to him. Um, yeah. But I think like you know that that is a, a weakness right now that totally should get um, cleaned up a little bit, and, and hopefully he just like can't get abused. And I, I'm pretty confident he's going to get to the point where he's not just attacked you know, on every single possession. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be shocked if that became the outcome for Halliburton. And if that did happen to him for a couple of possessions, say even a year, I mean, you'd have to think that it's like, all right, throughout this whole off season, I'm making sure that shit doesn't happen again next year. Yeah, um, so. absolutely. Here's a question. Somebody asked me a while ago. And it's pretty easy for me to answer. Could he be an all-star? He could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have yeah. said no at the beginning of last year, but like, I totally think he could be. Do I think it's yeah. likely? Like, it, would I bet that he becomes an all-star? Probably not right now. I but think it's, it's more, I think it's only complicated because of the conference. Like, if you're telling me, is is there a chance, if, if the question's more, is Tyrese Halliburton one of the 30 best, well, how many all-stars are there? There are 12 per roster? I, um, I think that's 15. Yeah, 15. Is well, okay. Let's just say 24 for the sake of argument. Is there a chance that Tyrese Halliburton is a top 24 player in the league? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's harder when it's put that way, but I'll, I'll just say this. I think if he was in the Eastern Conference, he'd be an all-star in a couple of years for sure. Like, mm. he's just... He's just... <laughs> I don't want to I, s- I, I oversell see. it, but it's just like he's such a fantastic player and will absolutely get the fans going which is a part of all-star which Mm -hmm. is why i hate when people are like hey this dude the kings might be trading for is a three-time all-star yeah okay well he was in the east Mm -hmm. like i don't want to take it away from great players but uh (laughs) there's a reason that every year we talk about snubs in the west right i think the one thing that i really need to be convinced convinced of is that he wants to be that guy when he's out there Yeah, because like, it seems like he, and there were moments last year, you know, that, that Brooklyn game you pointed out, there's that golden state game later in Mm -hmm. the year as well. Both those games, he shot the ball 20 times, you know, like that, that's the type of guy I'm talking about. Um, So, I mean, definitely saw it 
here and there, but it, it seems like, you know, he's more willing to like take a back seat sometimes. And there were moments where it's like, all right, you, you need to be the guy right now. And again, rookie year, you know, totally expected. Um, but like, that's, that's the difference to me where it's like, if it seems like Halliburton is going out there ready to just destroy the other team um, and put up a lot of shots himself, but you know, maybe even if one or two of them happen to be bad, but you're drawing a lot of pressure and attention, then sure. You know, but I just need to like, feel like he wants to be that guy a little more often. Yeah. He may not have that wiring. That may never be a part of his game just because he doesn't. It's funny because it's part of what makes him so great, right? Is that he's so willing to take a step back. Absolutely. Yeah. Low usage guys who could do as much as he do does are probably harder to find than uh, an on ball creator who can lead a team in score so can you name me like i don't even know i don't even i don't even know that i believe what i just said (laughs) i said it so can you name me like a top 30 guy sort of thing that is resembles what like the ceiling of halliburton could be god i've been trying to answer this question since i have no clue i have no clue i have no idea he's such a unique player and i've been watching this league for 20 years now and, and, and I, I'm just I'm pulling up, uh, going through sports reference, doing statistical dives. Come on, one of these dudes has to ping to mate. No, nah, right. it, it just nobody fits seamlessly. And it, it's not a it's not a fun answer, but he's just he really is a such a unique player in every conceivable way. Yeah. Yeah, I genuinely could not think of either um yeah like i mean this is super high praise but like a chris paul yeah well that's the one that tim keeps coming up with and i feel like it's the perfect example of some of the aspects are right like the playmaking is right the passing instincts are right but the individual ball in his hand like there's a reason that chris yeah. paul's the point guard and, and there are aspects of his game, like if Tyrese Halliburton ever develops his command of the basketball, then uh, all NBA ceiling, forget it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, if you're just looking at basketball instincts, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, is Lonzo a crazy comparison? What people thought Lonzo could be. When, when the Lakers drafted him number two, mm-hmm. I would rather, I would much rather have Tyrese Halliburton than Lonzo Ball. For sure. For sure. Not okay. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I expected you to say that, but I can hear Tim in the background being like, Lonzo Ball is underrated. So then, you know, like I, I think the hypothetical ceiling of Halliburton is, is ridiculous, you know, multiple time all-star, but when you're the front office in charge of dealing with these assets and uh, it's kind of shitty to talk about players that way, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to have an idea in mind on what you expect his ceiling to be somewhat. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think this is where it gets difficult. Right. And you stand firmly on no Halliburton for 
for Simmons, right? And I, I yeah. think that's a combination of you loving Halliburton and also being skeptical of Simmons, right? Well, it's definitely more Simmons. It's definitely more Halliburton than it is Simmons. Um, because Ben Simmons is a fantastic basketball player. I think that I uh, honestly am higher on Ben Simmons than half of King's Twitter. Um, he's a defense guy, he's, right? He's, You're supposed to love him. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and I don't want to undersell, like when people are like, Ben Simmons hasn't improved since he got in the league. That's just fucking bogus. It truly is. Ben Simmons was garbage defender in college. He, he, he got drafted as high as he did because of his passing instincts and because of his physical tools. And now he's one of the most impactful defenders in the league. Um, he's much more of a limited offensive player, but like saying it like that doesn't capture how good a playmaker he is, how much versatility he has in his size, how good he is around the basket. But when I has, I would rather see Ben Simmons go elsewhere than include Tyrus Halliburton in any deal. Um, so without, without getting into the whole Simmons conversation, because Lord knows we've done that a shit ton on this pod yeah. all throughout Sacramento media, let's like switch it to somebody else. Let's say we're talking about Tyrese, um, excuse me, Pascal Siakam. Um, you know, like another guy, like uh, the point being a guy that has been an all-star that's kind of proven yeah. that he has that ceiling while Halliburton mm-hmm. is still more hypothetical. Like, where do you lie when, you know, because... Halliburton's probably your most valuable asset outside of, I mean, not probably is outside of De'Aaron Fox. Yes, for sure. Um, so if you're a team that needs to make a move and you need more talent, which I, I think you would agree that Sacramento is in that situation, like you, you kind of got to throw, like, consider throwing him on the table for some guys, right? You have to consider it, but at the same time, like, well, let me just say that if, if Monty McNair trades, Halliburton in any hypothetical deal for that level of return. I'm going to understand it, even if I don't agree with it, but at the same time, like honestly, the fact that the Kings already have Fox and Halliburton in place is the reason I want them to go for Simmons is the reason I want them to go for Siakam because without Halliburton, the roster construction from this point on trading Halliburton and multiple picks like when you talk to the great jackson frank a few years ago his hypothetical trade was halliburton and two picks and i think it was buddy how do you build from there if you're sacramento right. like congratulations you've got De'Aaron fox you've got pascal siakam you're pretty much capped out for the next couple of years like in terms of salary cap, it's going to be a lot harder. You're going to have some money, but you're not going to have a ton. You're not going to have enough to go get a third star. And suddenly you're not going to have picks. Okay, so then I think the question becomes like, do you only need a third guy? Like, can Fox and Halliburton be the one-two? It has to be a very specific type of third guy. But... And this is kind of the like, argument. I feel like it kind of has to be like a three-headed monster where all the guys are like almost on the same tier, you know? Yeah, but this is kind of to me the argument you had with Deuce and Mo last podcast, where it was if you're trading Tyrese Halliburton for an all-star to me, it is the you you're skipping the more patient, longer-term rebuild and going straight for the we need to make the playoffs. And there's an argument for that. And there's absolutely ways that if the Kings traded 
Halliburton for one of these dudes, there I'm sure there are going to be a, a many many paths that would allow them to build a a meaningful playoff team. It just would become a lot harder. And half of the reason that I'm so comfortable with the idea of trading uh, so many picks plus Davion Mitchell plus whichever one of Barnes, Buddy, or Bagley that the Sixers want. Half the reason I'm so comfortable trading all of that for Ben Simmons, a dude who is demanding a trade, is because Tyrese Halliburton exists and because he is the seamless second, third dude for pretty much any bigger forward or center that this team could add to De'Aaron Fox. Without that, the re the the without Tyrese Halliburton, just like basic roster construction of a meaningful playoff contender is just so much harder to the point where I would rather see them turn down trades and try to build up with a more patient approach. Yeah. Because like you said, what's the point in, okay, De'Aaron Fox and Ben Simmons or Pascal Siakam and whichever one of Bagley or Barnes or Buddy is still here after the trade. That's a sixth, seventh, eighth seed next year. And yeah. then, then you have to hit on, you don't necessarily have cap space. You have to hit on your trades because you don't necessarily have a ton of picks. It just becomes more complicated. And I don't want to sit here and be like, the King's cupboard is going to be so deep if they have, uh, if they keep Tyrese Halliburton, because whatever you give up for Ben Simmons is going to make that bear. But I'm just a lot more comfortable with the idea of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and insert whoever you can add here that doesn't cost either of those two dudes. Yeah. No, and I understand that. And I think it's like come off as I'm a guy that's like pro trading Halliburton for Simmons, but I think it's more so that I've seen everybody shut that down instantly. And I think it's like, definitely a conversation just in, yeah. in the way that we're having right now. So I'm not like pro doing that necessarily. I actually not really sure where I stand on it. I think it's similar to what you said. Like if that deal was made, I would hate to see Halliburton go. Like it's so fun rooting for Halliburton super well-spoken and, you know, does a bunch of media stuff was on Deuce and Mo. He does all that great stuff on the uh, JJ Reddick podcast where he's just super entertaining, like great guy to root for. Right. Um, would hate to see that go, but I would understand of like, while I get like, there's a short sightedness. The other aspect to me is like the Kings really need to acquire talent. And I, I do, when it comes down to it, think Simmons is a greater talent than Halliburton. Um, and you know, the question is like, is that going to actualize his, because if we're talking hypothetical ceilings, like we have been with Halliburton this whole time, I mean, like the hypothetical ceiling of Simmons is ridiculous, you know? And that is like counting for an outlier. I mean, really just the free throw shooting becoming bearable is really, I don't yeah. really like the three point, whatever the free throw shooting becoming bearable. But like, yeah. I think, you know, the aspect would be like, you're betting on internal improvement from those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's conversation that I'm sure we're going to continue to have nonstop all the time. And I think this, uh, how you feel about the ceiling of Halliburton really is the focal point of including him or, or not for some of these guys. Yeah. I'm just going to say that in the 20 years I've watched the Sacramento Kings, there hasn't been a 21 year old who has Tyrese's um, 
poise on the basketball poise on and off the basketball court like he is legitimately probably the most aware player i've watched at his age and like i'm not going to sit here and say that i think Halliburton will be better than ben simmons because i agree it's not likely that he'll ever make an all nba team like simmons did in 2020 but we just saw tyrese shatter most of the post-college expectations that you and i had for him in year one his growth over the last three years is incredible he's a hyper instinct player in a league that stars basketball geniuses and like I said earlier, I fully believe he'll make the most out of every aspect of his game and career. And I can't say that I truly believe that Ben Simmons will do the same. I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to end the pod on one random non-basketball question, loosen it up a little bit each time here. And let me tell you, it's a struggle to come up with whatever questions going on. Um, but my lame one today is going to be, is there any like show that you're watching right now? You're super into Brian or anything oh. like mine is uh, new girl. I'm obsessed with new girl. <laughs> I think it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I cannot stop laughing at that show. Oh my gosh. I love Zoe Deschanel and the like three, four episodes I watched of that just couldn't get into it. I feel like and I've been told like you have shows... to last long enough. Yes. Yes. I feel like that's yeah. how every one of those type of show is shows are is that the beginning yeah. is just character building. And when you don't like understand the characters, you don't get why uh-huh. it's funny that that guy's doing that, you know? Yeah. It's certainly true for like the office was terrible that first season until I fixed Michael Scott parks and rec, which is probably my favorite mm. comedy was terrible the first year until I realized Amy Fulmer couldn't just play a, a completely dumb character. <laughs> um, so I get that. I get that argument. Um, so maybe I'll give a uh, new girl more of a chance um the show we're watching right now well we're watching the last season of brooklyn 99 which if you haven't watched that it's an absolutely hilarious show that's but, another one where it's the same thing you said for new girl i just like struggled for the few, first few hmm. episodes i think i only stuck through it because my wife had already watched it mm-hmm. um and 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 watching it with somebody who's like no no trust me it's it's, it's good like you just said it's the reason to stick with a show because not every show is going to be like Ted Lasso where it's just like, Oh yeah, this is great. Which I still haven't seen. It's a great show. The internet has not oversold it. Um, The show that we're watching right now is money heist. Um, It's on Netflix. It's a, it's a, it's from Spain. So it's originally in Spanish, uh, but they dubbed it with a fantastic English cat voice cast. And it is an absolutely fantastic show. And I do not understand how the internet isn't talking about it more. I have family um, that's into it, but I've just been kind of turned off by like the, the dubbing of it. And <laughs> but I will say I watched a movie last night that was dubbed over. It might've been like Swedish or something like this that was dubbed over in English. And it wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. It, it, I think it's just, you have to get used to dubbing. Like I watched a ton. I've watched a ton of anime all my life and I always watch japanese voices with english subtitles so i'm really used to it um and until you get used to either being able to read what's on the screen or okay the voices that are coming out of characters aren't necessarily what they're going to be mouthing Mm -hmm. i mean i understand that takes a bit but the english cast that they have for this just do such a fantastic job with 
matching their tone with what the characters are doing. The writing is incredibly good. The characters are frustrating as all hell. And the drama is very, very good. But anybody who wants a show, go watch Money Heist because uh, the fifth season is out right now and you got a lot to catch up on. This episode of the King's Bulls podcast presented by the Money Heist. <laughs> <laughs> You're selling me. You're selling me because it seems like the type of show that I would love. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to give it a try here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, again, after my long basketball hiatus, uh, you've been killing it with all the fantastic guests you've had uh, in my absence. So uh, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for coming on, man. Of uh, any time, obviously. So, um, and yeah, of course, anybody that is listening should check out the King's Herald and constant work from Bryant, myself, and all the other people on there as well. Um, plenty of people that have been on this show and will be on this show. And there's this whole 30, 30 questions series going on right now um, where I happen to get a lot of my topics for conversation from. Um, so definitely <laughs> check that out and take a look at the Patreon at King's Herald to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review and hear from us again in the next couple of days.